I welcome you. I welcome everyone to another edition of the Journey of Faith with Re on the Women Turned Watchers platform, WTW. In this series, we're going to be uh, having the Birthing New Nigeria Prayer Project. So I'll call it BNN Project. And this is the first week of the uh, prayer meeting that we're going to have for 21 days. The Lord stirred our hearts in WTW to stand in the gap for Nigeria for the next 21 days, beginning today, uh, February 5, 2023. And we're going to be waiting upon the Lord in night fasting and prayer for the next 21 days. So we'll begin our night fast tonight at 6 p.m. We'll break every day at 12 noon, start again 6 p.m., break at 12 noon until the 25th February 2023, which is the day of the presidential election in Nigeria. We're going to be fasting, we're going to be praying. And just before we commence on this fast, the Lord laid it on my heart to do this podcast and share it amongst those who will be participating. And it is my prayer, it is my hope, it is my trust in the Lord that as you listen, the Lord will breathe on you and you will be fully integrated into the flow because the cloud of glory is moving. And I know that the Lord who has called us to this mission, to this ministry, is going to answer us by awesome deeds of righteousness in the name of Jesus. I want to tell you that I didn't intend to do this. It wasn't in my thoughts. I was just having my morning devotion this morning. I was reading a simple passage and the Lord took over the passage and he began to show me several things. The devotion that was supposed to last maybe 30 to 40 minutes or one hour took me maybe about four hours because the Lord just began to expound different things to my heart and he confirmed to me that he is the one in this project. The BNN Project 21, because it's 21 days, is actually a spontaneous project. It got made on our hearts last week as uh, we listened to a message to the church, you know, when there was a gathering of the prophets in one of the Bible-believing churches in Lagos. It's on uh, YouTube. And if you're interested, we could give you the link to it. And as they shared the burden of the Lord in their hearts for the nation and what the Lord is saying at a time like this and the fact that it seems as if the church is fast asleep, it seems as if we're not raising enough incense of prayers to God every day, I caught a burden. And I, you know, it became strongly impressed upon my heart that we needed to seize this moment as women watchers, as wailers over this nation, that we needed to seize this moment. This is a Kairos moment. This is a time, you know, that heaven is waiting for to turn the tide in Nigeria. And so I called together the leaders, we discussed, we deliberated, and we felt the Lord will have us go on this prayer and fast. In fact, we chose February 5 because we were looking at convenience in terms of passing the message across to the people, the, to the uh, team in Women Turned Watchers. And interestingly, by the time we counted 21 days from today, it fell on February 25. So I believe that the Lord is doing something. And the many things he laid in my heart this morning stroke afternoon, I may not have all the time to pour it out here on this podcast, but I'll do my best to expound as much as I can. And I trust the Lord that as you come along with me, the Lord is going to you know, stir up your heart. The Lord is going to baptize you with fire. The Lord is going to baptize you into this assignment because this assignment is a spiritual assignment. It's not a religious assignment. And as you undertake this assignment for the Lord and for his kingdom, you know, his glory alone will be revealed. His name will be exalted and you will not miss your reward in the name of Jesus. Shall we pray? 
Heavenly Father, thank you for such a time as this. Thank you because you are the one that works in us both to will and to do of your good pleasures. As we go into this word from you for us at a time like this, I pray and I ask that you take over my mouth. I pray and I ask that you enlarge our hearts. I pray and I ask, oh God, that Father, you will open our eyes of understanding. You will open our ears. Lord, you will speak to us in the name of Jesus. And above all, you will get us ready for the assignment you have for us. That by the time we are done listening to these words from you, Lord Jesus, that our answer will be yes, Lord. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. I'm going to be talking briefly about um, importunity in prayer. I'm going to talk about when God is set to do a thing, what does he do? We will look at captivities in scriptures and timing. And then we will look at interceding for Nigeria after the order of Daniel. So what is importunity? In simple terms, it is urgent persistence. Something that someone insists on having, the act of making intrusions, being unrelenting, consistent, you know, something that someone insists on having, not giving up, not taking no for an answer. That is importunity. The act of making intrusions, being unrelenting and consistent. And scripture says, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find knock. And the door shall be opened unto you. I'm going to show us three examples of people who were importunate in the scriptures. Interestingly, they were all women. The three people I'm going to be talking about this afternoon were all women. The first woman is the Syrophoenician woman. She, the scriptures tells us that she was from Syrophoenicia in Greek. And she was a Gentile as it were. We will see her story if you read from the book of Mark chapter 7 from verse 24 to 30. She was a gentle woman, but her faith and her importunity brought deliverance to her daughter. Faith is the currency with which we trade with the Lord, with which we receive from the Lord. In the case of the Syrophoenician woman in Mark 7, 24 to 30, this woman's faith was devoid of offense. How do I mean? When the woman came, she said, Lord, please, you need to help me. My daughter is possessed with an evil spirit. And Jesus, maybe he was testing the woman's faith of what sort it was made. You know, is she just here for a miracle? Or does she believe in the Lord to save? Is she converted as her heart fully trusted in the Lord for salvation, even though she's of a Gentile origin? So Jesus threw a puzzle which will undoubtedly reveal the state of the woman's heart. Jesus said, no, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. That woman on a normal day should have been offended. But no, she wasn't. She was importunate. She was persistent. She would not take no for an answer. So I paraphrase that answer this way. She said, Jesus, well, I could well be a child, sir. Not, not just a dog, because I believe in you. But peradventure, if there are other requirements of which I'm not aware, or my descent still makes me a dog, I agree with your verdict. But by your mercy, grant me my request. That's a desperate faith. She came to Jesus and she said, look, you have to heal my daughter. She's sick with an evil spirit and she needs your help. She needs your deliverance. And Jesus said, sorry, daughter, <laughs> it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. You are not a Jew. That's what he meant. And this woman said, Jesus, you have to do something. If I'm not qualified for the children's bread, then give me of the crumbs that dropped from the children's table. Wow. Desperate faith. At this point in time, the blood of Jesus was not yet shed. We had not reached the point in dispensation of grace where full access was granted to all, whether they were Jews or Greeks or Gentiles. But this woman assessed it by desperate faith, the disposition of her heart to the master. Ah, it's like she sang and said, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. 
Lord, naked I come to you for dress. Helpless I come to thee for strength. Oh, Lord, I to the fountain fly. Help me, Savior, Lord, I die. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Ah, she sang that song in a sense. But you know, Jesus had not even gone to the cross. So what was she trusting in? How come she was so confident that the Lord was going to do something about it? As I studied, I discovered that this woman drew God's hand back, as it were. Or should I say she, she took the hands of God forward? She fast-forwarded it in time to intervene in a situation. She was an ordinary woman, a gentle woman at that, a disadvantaged woman as it were. Wow. What did this woman do? She fast-forwarded grace. This uh, access of the Gentiles was not to be until Jesus went to the cross. Remember that when Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And that was when we got access. But this Syrophoenician woman got that access. You know, she, she moved Matthew 27, 51, where the veil of the temple was rent in twain. She brought it forward in time. She brought it all the way to Matthew 7. You know, she said, ah, Jesus, I agree. I agree that I'm a dog. I'm a Gentile. But you know what? You've got to do something about this because you are the same. Yesterday, today. And forevermore. Even if it means sneaking, Lord, beneath the curtain, I will hide myself in thee. I know that you are yet to go to the cross. Maybe she didn't even know that, but it was implied by her faith. Oh, and perhaps the process isn't yet complete for the Gentiles to come into grace. But I know that you are the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What you will do when you go to the cross, you can do it now by your mercy. And then she insisted. She worshipped him. Hallelujah. She worshipped, she worshipped him. And Jesus said, you know what? Great is your faith. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. You got it. You just got it. And so what does Jesus do? He said, go home. Your daughter is healed. And she got it how? Through a desperate faith. By being importunate in prayers. By not taking no for an answer. Hallelujah to Jesus. There's another person who got a request by importunity guess who it is i told you the three examples i'll be sharing this afternoon are all women it is momsy herself permit me to be a bit playful this afternoon mary the mother of jesus how you know what there was a wedding in in, in cana of galilee in john chapter 2 verse 1 to 7 maybe it was a family wedding and then jesus was there his disciples also were there. He had not even started performing miracles as it were. And then Jesus, the mother of Jesus went to him. Mary said, look what? <laughs> Jesus, they have no wine. Do something about it. That's what it means. It's just a way of saying, son, well, their wine has finished and you are here. <laughs> you cannot be here and we will all be ashamed. So you've got to do something about this. And what was the reply that Jesus gave in verse 4? He said, woman. My time is not yet come. Koko ah, Tito, your mommy, yes, I know, but it is not yet time. <laughs> but it did end there. He responded. He responded to importunity. He responded to the cry from a heart that loved him. Mary loved him. Mary was his mother. Mary had sacrificed for him. Mary had given up all to bring him into this world. And so when Mary went and said, they have no wine, <laughs> the son of God said, Look, there's nothing I can do. I must answer this woman's request. She got what she needed. She fast forwarded the hand of God and said, look, the miracles, we know it's going to come, but let it start here. And the Lord honored her request, and Jesus turned water into wine. The, the, the guests were not embarrassed. The master of the feast was not embarrassed. The couple were not embarrassed. The family was not embarrassed. The mother of Jesus was not embarrassed. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you another person. I'm sure you already know her, because Jesus himself gave us as our example of importunity in prayer. 
she was a widow. It was actually a story, and you can read that story. You can actually read it from the book of um, Luke, chapter 18, The Woman and the Unrighteous Judge. <laughs> there was a judge, the Bible tells us. He neither feared God nor cared about people. Wow, what a description. I'm sure you have met such people in your life who don't seem to fear God or cared about anyone. But I want to tell you that the one to whom we have come to cry is not like that. He's a righteous judge. He's the God of the whole universe. So there's, there is, you know, a very wide contrast between him and this judge. But he used this judge as an example. He painted the picture of this judge to us. And then a widow came. A widow came to ask something of him. And I began to wonder. He doesn't regard man. He doesn't even regard God. He doesn't care about anyone. If he would manage to regard, I think it will have to do with what is in it for me. If this woman were a politician or an influential person, maybe he would even manage to regard her. Now it was a widow. What a contradiction. But scriptures tell us that she came repeatedly. She came with importunity. She will not give up. She will not take no for an answer. And she kept saying just one thing, one pointed request. Give me justice. It's in your capacity to do so. The Bible tells us that as is customary of this judge, he ignored her for a while. But finally he said, even though I don't fear God or care about people, that's a fact. This woman, she's driving me crazy. That's the very language that New Living Translation used. She said, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. And when Jesus was going to wrap up that story, he said, how much more will God, you know, who is a righteous and faithful father, give answers to his children who call upon him day and night. Hallelujah. It takes faith to access what we want in God. It takes faith to receive from him. It takes faith. It takes faith. Desperate faith. A faith without offense. A faith that, a faith that is ready to hang in there. A faith that is ready to push until something happens. Hallelujah. And that is what the Lord is calling us onto at a time like this. So at this point, I like to tell us that when God is set to do a thing, he raises up a man. Men and women, intercessors. Ezekiel 22.30, which is a very familiar verse to us, says, And I sought for a man amongst them that should make up the edge and stand in the gap before me for the land. I checked it in the New Living Translations. It said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. Take note of the assignment. To do what? Rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the walls so that I wouldn't destroy the land. But I don't want to read the concluding verse because I believe that the Lord has found us. Now let's talk about captivities and scriptures and their timing. Sometimes there is captivity. The people of God go into captivity, not just because there is a sin in their lives. Sometimes it happens because, you know, maybe according to some divine purpose, according to a divine purpose, something that God, you know, himself orchestrated for his purpose to be fulfilled in one way or the other. We may not fully understand it, but sometimes it happens. It's not all captivity that are on account of sin. And the example I'll give for that is in Genesis 15, when God told Abraham that his descendants will go into Egypt. He said his descendants will go into Egypt and they will be there for 400 years. And he was very clear. He said that nation is going to oppress them. He said, but he will come and he will deliver them after 400 years. At this point, I want you to pay close attention to timing. Timing. And I want to say at this time that it could be time for deliverance. Yet men may slip off. Maybe they are not aware of what God has said. Maybe they were not aware of what, you know, is in what, what God is doing. Or maybe they just don't believe. Or maybe the captivity has become so severe that they're not even expecting any more deliverance. You know, in the case of the Israelites, the Bible tells us 
that God was specific in Genesis 15 and verse 13. He gave it as a prophecy to their forefather, Abraham. He said they will be there for 400 years. But when you get to Exodus chapter 12, verse 40 and 41, scripture says, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was the last day of the 430th year that the Lord's forces left the land. And I asked why. Uh, perhaps he sought for a man to stand in the gap between him and the land. And did he find? The answer is yes and no. I would say he found a woman, Jochebed, who played her part well. He raised up Moses. But at the point when God was ready for deliverance, according to his word, 400 years after they had gone into captivity, Moses wasn't ready. It took 40 years to prepare him until he got it, until he learned his lesson. So there was no movement but stagnation. Everybody remained where they were, you know, because they, were, they weren't just ready. I don't just think it had to do with Moses, so I'm not blaming or casting aspersions on Moses, but I'm just drawing a parallel because 430 is not the same. 30 years is a long time. And I'm praying and trusting the Lord that Nigeria, the nation of Nigeria, will not miss it at a time like this. Because if we do, it may be another eight long years, minimum, of travail, of, of, you know, of pain. And we trust the Lord that this will not be our portion. But you see, 30, they spent extra 30 years. Of course, maybe they had also accepted their faith, oblivious of God's covenant, oblivious of his promise oblivious of his program and his plan and his agenda for their lives there was no intercession remember i said it earlier on that when god is ready to do something or when there is a timing when the time is ripe in the spirit he begins to raise up men now moses perceived he had an assignment he rushed ahead to do it maybe he didn't quite understand some things went wrong this man ran into the wilderness he found himself in the house of jethro i'm sure you know the story so i'm not going to tell you all that story but you see, the people of Israel themselves, maybe they had accepted their fate. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11 to 14, that Pharaoh made their lives bitter. And then he began to exterminate them. Is that not what is happening in Nigeria right now? There was something I posted on the platform sometimes ago where somebody was saying in southern Kaduna, they bury people daily. You know, they are being exterminated for whatever flimsy excuse. A lot of things happen that we don't hear in the news. By whatever means, Pharaoh began to exterminate them. He said, at birth, kill them. You see that in verse 15 and 16. And then when the midwives would not carry out his uh, evil intention, he said, you know what? Any child you find, any son of the, of the Israelites, throw him in the Nile River. That was in verse 22. And so they seemed to be used to it. And their eyes did not open. But in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says that their eyes became open. How? That particular wicked king of Egypt died. And scripture says that the children of Israel began to groan because of the oppression they had been on. So uh, permit me to call Exodus 2, 23b to 25, their Kairos moment. The time when they became aware and they said, what is happening to us? And they began to cry. They began to pray. They began to groan. They began to ask the Lord to do something. And of course, the Lord answered their prayers. I want to say to you that our Kairos moment has come and the Lord will have respect unto us. The Bible tells us in that verse 25 that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he had respect unto the children of Israel. And I believe that he will have respect unto us, WTW, at a time like this, in the name of Jesus. Please note that God makes no, mix, no mistakes. He had made adequate provisions. He had prepared and preserved Moses. In fact, he sponsored him. He prepared him. He was busy grooming him while waiting for the response of the Israelites. I don't know. Maybe their intercession came earlier. Maybe Moses would have been ready faster. But whatever it was, once they got ready and they cried, God began to reveal his plans. Remember that Amos 3, 7 tells us that God will do nothing except he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And so he got into action. And by a mighty and an outstretched arm, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. I'm calling your attention to the fact that 400 became 430. A whole 30 years of being stagnant in Egypt. 
before they finally came out to go to their promised land. And there we saw a captivity that happened, not necessarily because of their sin, you know, but because there was something in the agenda of God that took them to Egypt. That's a part. Now let's look at a captivity that even happened on account of sin. If you read the book of Jeremiah chapter 25 and you read from verse 1 to 14, you will see there that there was a prediction by Jeremiah that Israel was going to go into captivity. And why were they going to captivity? Because of their sins. They had sinned against the Lord. They had made God angry by their behavior. They were, you know, they continued to follow idols. Everything the Lord did to bring them back to himself, they refused. And God said, look, there's nothing more I can do. My justice, my, my judgment will not allow me to look away from your sin. You have made this land polluted. And God said, look, you are going to go into captivity. And he began to give that word through uh, J Jeremiah. And these people went into captivity. And God said, you know what? You are going to be there for 70 years. But there's something I want to call your attention to. That before they even, while some had gone to the captivity and the captivity was still on, in Jeremiah 29 verse 10, and God began to say, you will go away for 70 years. He said, after that 70 years, I will bring you back to your land. That's where he began to say that. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Their thoughts of peace are not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. To give you to give you an expected end. But in verse 12, he now said, In those days, you will call unto me. You will pray and I will listen. That's after 70 years. is. I mean, at the point of the 70 years, you will call unto me. I will listen and I will bring you back home. I want to believe that in Nigeria, when the Jeremiah 29, 12 day, the day when we will call, we will pray and God will listen. But he took a Daniel. It took a Daniel to stand in the gap between God and the land. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, scripture says that I, Daniel, observed by books that it was time. He observed that the 70 years is now. And scripture says he began to stand in the gap. And the good news, my dear sisters, is that when he stood in the gap, answer came. And so I want to tell you, be expectant. Anything can happen within these 21 days. And I trust that great and mighty things will happen to us, even as we stand in the gap for this nation and we stand in God's presence, even the next 21 days. So what did Daniel do? I want you to pay very close attention at this point. Remember, I said we're going to be interceding for the land after the order of Daniel. Daniel did four things or three things. God did the last one. Now, what did Daniel do? Because that is exactly what we're going to be doing in the next 21 days. The first thing was that he, he turned his heart to the Lord in prayer and fasting. He purposed in his heart to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting. And he actually turned his heart. I believe that we have done that. We have prepared our minds to seek the Lord. We have set a time the next 21 days. And so we have done that. We have prepared. We're ready to do that. Now, the second thing that we saw Daniel do, he said he wore rough ball up and he sprinkled himself with ashes. He wore sackcloth. He wore, you know, he put himself in a frame of mind of mourning for the nation. So what are we going to do, WTW? Well, we're going to work from tomorrow. Don't wear makeups, wear sleepers. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. After taking the necessary spiritual assignment of praying, he puts up an attitude of prayer. He puts up an attitude of repentance and submission to God. And you see, that attitude was very visible and palpable. Please, I'm not saying put ashes on your head as you go to work from tomorrow, but I'm saying wear an attitude in your heart of prayers. In the next 21 days, you may not be able to play anyhow or, or jest anyhow. You would definitely have to have an attitude of prayer everywhere you are, whether you are at work or, or you are at play, whether you are at home or you are in the marketplace. He put up an attitude of prayer. He was focused. He was busy. He didn't have time for frivolities. He didn't have time for anything that was not important. At that time, he was wrestling. He was wrestling with God the same way that Jacob wrestled with that angel. And so he put up on his body rough burlap. He sprinkled ashes on himself. 
My dear sisters, you would need to change your attitude these 21 days. You will need to, you know, humble your heart. Be Tune your heart. You know, you need to tune your heart to the frequency of heaven so that you can, you know, be ready to do the assignment as required. And the third thing we saw Daniel do was that he actually prayed. He didn't just turn his heart to the Lord to fast and pray. He didn't just contemplate it. He actually prayed. And the fourth thing was God who did that is that the answer eventually came. How did he pray? That will be our content and our focus these 21 days. I'm not going to go into the details because we're going to bring them up as prayer points even as we begin the 21 days prayer and fast. The first thing he said, God, this is who you are. You are great. You are awesome. You are the Bani Bani, you are the Eleburike, you know, he worshipped God. And then he, he brought, you know, God's covenant to mind. And the fact that God has kept his covenant. That's the first part. God, this is who you are. He acknowledged God. The next thing he said, but God, this is who we are. We have sinned against you. We've done wrong. We're rebellious. We haven't listened when you warned us. Our kings and our princes are guilty. Our ancestors are guilty. Even we living right now, we're guilty. All the people of the land are guilty. He acknowledged their guilt before God. And then he compared. He said, we versus you. Lord, you are right and we're wrong. To you belong mercy and forgiveness. We deserve it. We, are, we actually deserve what we have gone through. So, Lord, you are right. And then he began to remind God of past faithfulness. How God brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. How God, you know, for his name's sake, how he brought the people of, it, of, of Israel out of the land of captivity. How he brought them out of their cruel bondage. He reminded God of all that. We also would remind God of how he delivered us from the wickedness of the wicked and the craftiness of the crafty from bondage of Sonia Abacha in 1999. And he freed his people. Yet we soon forgot and went after other gods. We went after mammon. We went after corruption. And even though he warned us, we wouldn't listen. We will remind God of his faithfulness to us in the past. And then he said, Lord, in view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your anger away from us. That's, that's why we're praying. That woman was very pointed in her request. Give me justice. It's in your capacity to do so. We are going to cry and say, Lord, turn away your anger from Nigeria. The next thing he said, Lord, smile on us. Favor us again. Don't abandon us. Hear WTW as we plead for your name's sake. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. So we're going to be asking the Lord to have mercy on the church. Because the church is his sanctuary. We're going to ask him to lean down and listen. To open his eyes and see our despair. Not because we deserve his help or because of his mercy. He prayed, he said, hear Lord, forgive, listen and act for your name's sake. Do not delay. He said, because we're caught by your name. We also, we say Nigeria and Nigerians bear your name. So Lord, do something. Remember, it always takes a combat. Daniel and the, I mean, Jacob and the angel. Now Daniel, before God. And of course, it was resisted by the prince of Persia. We'll still get there. The answer came, glory to God. The Bible says that they actually left captivity and they returned back to Judah. If you have the time, you can read the concluding verses of 2 Chronicles in 2 Chronicles 36, 20 to 21. It will tell you about how Cyrus came into power and he gave a decree that all Israelites should return and they should go and build the temple. And all of that happened because Daniel discovered it was time and he stood before God in the place of prayer. So here is the pattern that we're going to follow. I said our intercession in this project is going to be after the order of Daniel. Now, when Daniel waited upon God and he began to pray, huh, the Bible says that Gabriel came swiftly in the time of the evening sacrifice. You can read that in Daniel chapter 9, the whole intercession, Daniel chapter 9. But if you look at verse 21 to 23, Gabriel came, that's the, an angel, to do what? To give him insight and understanding. And he said, the moment you began to pray, a command was issued because you are precious to God. WTW, you are precious to the Lord. I say it with every sense of humility and responsibility because it was God who gathered you. The moment we begin this prayer, I want to trust God that a command will be given. 
and angels will be dispatched on assignment to bring us answers, to give us insight and understanding. Please note, there were three things that my attention was drawn to that Daniel received at this time of prayer. The first one was that, you know, he not only received an answer for that time, which was the end of the captivity, because his eyes actually witnessed the end of the captivity. In Ezra chapter 1, you will see that they actually returned to their land. Although Bible scholars believe that Daniel didn't return, maybe he was too old to travel because at that time he was past maybe 90 years. You know, but he saw it with his eyes. He, he took delivery of what he believed God for. But there are three other things I want to call your attention to, my dear sisters, and you may want to note it down. The first one is that he not only received an answer for that time, he also received the mysteries of the end time. He received mysteries about the coming of the anointed one, that is Jesus. He received mysteries about his death and his resurrection, even up until the Antichrist. Wow, what a discovery. Just because a man, you know, consecrated himself to seek God, to stand in the gap for the land. So my dear sisters, what am I saying to you? Get ready for mysteries. Many are called, but few are chosen. We may be many on the platform. I don't know how many will be able to come into the night prayers. But if you are coming, you must come with a minimum of three things. And I'm going to tell you. The first one I will tell you is you must come with consecration. Daniel consecrated himself to the Lord. He took the assignment as though it was on him alone. It was on him alone. We didn't hear that the others were with him. Maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at that time had passed on to glory. We don't know. But he consecrated himself to the assignment and he concentrated on it. And when he did, he was rewarded with mysteries. I want to say, get ready for mysteries. Remember, we've been praying, eyes that see, ears that hear. I believe this is the time to get the mysteries, to get incorporated into the, you know, the mysteries of the Most High God. If only we will concentrate and we will consecrate our vessels to the Lord. The second thing I saw there was that he entered a new realm by that sacrifice. By the time you get to Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, I had yet another vision. Yet another vision. Uh -uh. Joel had not yet come. Joel had not yet prophesied that in the last days, you know, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Even if Joel had prophesied, those were not the last days. But I, you see another fast forward there. Daniel was beginning to see visions. He was beginning to have insight into what God was going to do. Visions of the last days. How much more we who are in the dispensation where God said he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Psalm 50 verse 5 says, gather my saints unto me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. This trend in one day is going to take sacrifice. It's not easy to wake up every night and pray for an hour. So if you are going to do it, it will be by sacrifice. If you are even going to do the minimum we prescribe for each squad, which is seven days, it will take sacrifice. Things of the spirit do not come easy. And I'm telling you, this is not going to come easy. You have to put the flesh under. You have to put the flesh under to take hold of eternal life. But when you do, when you pay the sacrifice, I tell you that you will receive great and mighty things. The Joel 2.28 will become manifest in your life. He said, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. If I mean, this man was a pre-dispensation man again. He fast-forwarded the hands of God. You know, he began to see yet another vision. If you read those visions, some of them you may not even be able to understand unless you go to Revelations. He spoke deep things. He delivered to us what was God's plan for the end time. And that came through his sacrifice to God. His consecration, his concentration, his sacrifice. I saw something in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 7. <laughs> that man, Daniel, entered an uncommon realm. He saw what others could not see. Hallelujah. He said he was in a place and he began to see a vision. He said the people who were with him did not see it and they were right there with him. They only heard the sound. When they heard the sound, they all ran. They hid themselves. I mean, he entered into an uncommon realm. WTW, I prophesy to you that as you give your heart to the Lord these 21 days, you are going to join the company of them that see the Lord like Isaiah did in chapter 6. Though Daniel was not a classical prophet, just like you and I. He was not like uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah. He was an administrator. He was a diplomat. He was a layman, not a Levite. But by his sacrifice, by his consecration, by his concentration, he entered an uncommon realm. 
he entered an uncommon realm. He joined the, 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 the council, the league of them that see what God is doing. That's the league I'm inviting you to join these 21 days. The Lord is inviting you to join. A song says, if we follow on to know the Lord, his return shall be to us like the rain. And I trust the Lord that the rain of his presence will fall upon us at a time like this in the name of Jesus. The third thing I saw with Daniel's um, devotion at that time when he prayed was that he understood happenings in the spirit realm, even of previous encounters. It was in that chapter 10 that uh, the angel came and revealed the secrets of the prince of Pasha to him. You know, he, he revealed to him what was happening. How come it took 21 days before he had a release in the place of prayer? He didn't even know that prayer time had long ended. You know, but in this chapter 10, now the angel came and was beginning to tell him things that had been. Hallelujah. He revealed secrets to him. You know, and that way he was able to show the church that the key to conquering in the realm of God is importunity. Pray until something happens. Push. Remember, this is a travail. This is a bath pain. This is like being in the delivery room. And we're going to push out the baby. Hallelujah. He delivered unto the church the mystery of 21 days in prayer. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are many significant days in scriptures. There is three days. There is seven days. There is 21 but Daniel showed us persistence in prayer for 21 days. Remember, Jesus also said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. So what do I want to bring out of this? My dear sisters, don't be tired or weary. Keep at it. Be importunate these 21 days. At least be in the loop of seven that your squad is taken. If the grace is there, join us for the 21 days. We talked about seven for the squads for reason of strength. We know that some have little babies, some have, um, some may be pregnant and all and all. And we wanted to be sure that everyone can participate. So we said, okay, at least do with your squad for seven days if you cannot do 21. But it is not an in and out thing. It's something you have to jump in the flow. There's a grace in this season. There is a stirring of the waters, just like it happened in John 5, 4. And as many as will jump into this flow, I tell you, you begin to see what eyes have not seen. You begin to hear what eyes have not heard. You will see the invisible and hear the inaudible. Hallelujah. How about God waking you up and telling you the reason why you're having that challenge in the family? How about God taking you, you know, to the root family roots that you know nothing about that is responsible for one challenge or the other. How about God showing you why auntie so and so is yet to, you know, have her own baby and God is telling you go do this or tell her to do that or do this or do that and yokes get broken. We're not just praying for Nigeria. As we pray, we're going to understand in the spiritual realm. Our understanding is going to be opened. Oh, there is a fata happening. There is an opening in the spirit realm. Opening of eyes, opening of ears that I see happen to you in WTW. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe it is possible. So you must not be tired. Is the time to sacrifice? Is the time to be consecrated? Is the time to concentrate? Remember, Elijah told Elisha, he said, if you see me, if you concentrate, Oh, be persistent at this time. Don't be tired. Keep at it. Be importunate. And God will reveal to us by his spirit. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 12, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not even entered into the heart of man what God has in store for them who love him. But <laughs> I'm so excited by the next verse, which is, I think, verse 11. It says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Hallelujah. I think verse 10, God has revealed them to us by his spirit. He will reveal unto us by his spirit as we wait upon him these 21 days in the name of Jesus. In verse 12, it says that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. In the name of Jesus. So WTW here is my message to you. God is calling us onto a solemn assembly to stand in the gap for our nation. He's calling us to a time of consecration. He's calling us to a time of listening. A time of being thought of him. He's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us to intercede. He's calling us to stand in the gap of, on behalf of this nation. 
all who were at a time to take delivery and the church must not miss this time. And so the call came and he enabled us to hear it. I want to plead with you to jump in, jump into the river. Jump into the river is going to come with rewards. But what you need first and foremost is your consecration, your concentration, the sacrifice, and the persistent. I want to plead with you to move with the cloud. I say the cloud of glory is moving. Let us move with the cloud. Let us move with the cloud of glory at a time like this. Let us move in with a cloud into the cloud of glory as it is moving because the Lord is here. The Lord is here to do a new thing. The Lord is set to do a new thing. The cloud of glory is moving. Oh, the cloud of glory is moving. Let us move with the cloud. Move with the cloud. Let our spirits arise and our strength be renewed. Come, let us move on together. As we follow where he leads, new heights will attain as we move with the clouds, move with the clouds. Come, let us move with the cloud, move with the cloud. Are you there, my sister? Will you just say, Lord? Yes, Lord. Lord, I'm available. Lord, I am willing. Lord, I am ready for this assignment. Lord, I will serve you. I pray and I ask that the Spirit of God will fall upon you, even as you have heard this podcast, and it will stir up you in the inner man. It will fill you with strength, inner strength, in the name of Jesus. Oh, on foot you will outrun horsemen, in the name of Jesus. As we stand in the gap these 21 days, our strength is renewed. As we follow where he leads, new heights we will attain. We will attain the heights where we begin to see the invisible and hear the inaudible. And God will answer us by awesome deeds of righteousness. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you because you are the one that works in us, but to will and to do of your good pleasures. We thank you. Thank you for our calling and our election. Thank you because you are the one that works in us. Thank you because, Lord, we didn't choose ourselves. You chose us. And thank you because, Lord, we will proceed these 21 days in your might and by your grace alone. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And just before I end this podcast, I would just like to share two personal stories with you. One was when I was in the university, maybe my first or second year, we went for a retreat in my fellowship in those days. And then while we were at the retreat, the man of God who came kept, you know, saying in every session that God asked me here to come and enthrone kings. There are some of you that God has some specific assignments for you to accomplish in your life. And so before I leave this meeting, I am going to be laying hands on you and, you know, enthroning you. And he kept saying it every session. And he said, it's not for everybody. And when the time is ripe, I will call out those that the Lord has instructed me to do this for. And all of us wanted, to, you know, to, to walk with God. We were all desirous of it. But not everybody could give the consecration, the concentration, the sacrifice, and the persistence to access it. I was moved by the Spirit to pray throughout that retreat. And every day, once we're done with the session, before I slept in the night, I'll go to a corner. You know, it was in a school compound somewhere in Ife. I'll go into some solitary place and pray and pray and pray and say, God, you said you want to do this. Lord, I'm available. Let your oil follow me. I'll pray maybe for about an hour, return to the hostel to sleep. And I did that consistently every day of that retreat. I think it was about three or four days retreat. We went from the campus fellowship. And on the last day, the man of God came to minister. And as he was rounding up, he said, if you are here, and as we began this retreat three days ago, or I don't know, I can't remember vividly now. If you spent at least one hour every day praying over the message, as it came, step forward. 
we were a very large congregation. It was only four of us, if I can remember, who stepped forward. And he said, these are the people that the Lord has sent me to pour this oil on their heads. And I tell you that my spiritual work with God took a new turn from that day. I'm talking about persistence. I'm talking about consecration. I'm talking about huh, consistency, consecration in the things of the Spirit. These 21 days, you will access something if you will concentrate and you'll be consecrated. If you will consecrate your vessel to God and you will concentrate. 21 days is a short time. Before you know it, it's over. But you must pay the sacrifice. You must give it what it takes. And the Lord is waiting to meet you at your very point of need. The second story I will share is WTW. For those of you who were here from inception, it began on the 23rd October 2020 and it was very spontaneous. By the time I woke up that day, I didn't have a vision to start a prayer group. I wasn't a classical intercessor as it were. But for about two or three days before then, I had a strong burden to pray for Nigeria. It was during the NSAS protest. And on that very day, the burden increased. And I said, oh, if only I could find people to pray with. If only I could find women who would love to pray. And as I thought, you know, they, they came to my mind. Why not put a call on WhatsApp? Let people sign up. And then you can pray for the next seven days. And then we prayed for seven days. And seven days has continued up until now. This is the second year running. In fact, we finished the second year. This is the third year running. It was a spontaneous vision. God gave it and it was that same day he birthed it. For those who know me very well, I'm very meticulous. I like to cross my T's and dot my I's. So if God had told me to start a prayer movement, I'll probably still be busy planning, you know, how to be so perfect until now. Maybe I wouldn't have started it. And so he took my hands. He pushed me into the river. He says, come walk on the waters towards me. And even this 21 days fasting and prayer, I want to tell you that I believe that it's another spontaneous thing. You walk with God by faith. You walk with him by spontaneity. I didn't engineer it. I didn't plan the year for WTW and say this, this, this. All I did was at the beginning of the year, I went to God and I said, please make your program plain to us in WTW. Show us the way. Tell us what to do part time. And here we are. This is another spontaneous move of God. This morning as I woke up, I was just reading scriptures. All the things I shared with you in this podcast were delivered to me just this morning. And I believe that God is up to something. Let us move with the clouds. Move with the clouds. The cloud of glory is moving. I choose to move with the cloud. Move with the cloud. Let my spirit arise and my strength be renewed. Come, let us move on together as we follow where he leads. New heights will attain new heights in the spirit, new heights in the realm of the spirit, new heights in our walk with God, new heights in family life, new heights in the works of our hands as we follow where he leads. New heights will attain as we move with the clouds, move with the clouds. Come, let us move with the clouds, move with the clouds. Come, let us move with the clouds. Oh, move. Move with the clouds, move with the clouds. Let your spirit arise and your strength be renewed. You can begin to pray in the spirit, even if it is for a minute. Come, let us move on together as we follow where he leads. 
heights our strength new heights will attain as we move with the clouds rekemazon toriene bai with the clouds come let us move with the clouds move with the clouds god bless you Shalom. See you in the evening.